Welcome to a special edition of the Club Leadership Podcast with Jim Weidman, the original podcast for next gen and Kidman leaders. On this episode, Jim is sharing one of the club classics. Now, here's Jim. Hey, everybody, welcome to my first ever club classic. This is a lesson that I did about uh, nine years ago, and uh, I thought it'd be cool just to revisit some things, some older teachings that we did that are still great. This is a uh, club lesson I did on the 12th birthday of uh, the Children's Ministry Leadership Club, and I'm talking about 12 leadership skills that I want to model. So I hope you'll enjoy this. Uh, We're going to go back to the other format on a regular basis, but I did think it would be fun to do some of these club classics and let you hear some classic Jim Weidman stuff that uh, a lot of our books and lessons and magazine articles and blogs and All the different things that we do have come out of these club lessons, so I hope you will enjoy it. So here we go. Let's start looking at 12 leadership skills I want to model in my life, and hopefully I want to pass these on to others, and I hope that each one of you will grab them and use them and run with them and put these in your own ministry. Are you ready? Here we go. Skill number one, you can grow and increase your leadership level. I believe with all my heart that leaders should be growing and increasing in their level. Uh, If you are doing the same things that you've always done, you're always going to have the same uh, results. And so leadership is more than just influence. It's living learned traits and behavior. Uh, You know, a leader has people following them. They're out in front. Uh, You can't be a leader if you're not out in the lead. And one of the things that I believe that every leader that's growing needs to set the pace. That means that sometimes you have to change what you're doing and pick up the pace. And the leader is the one that keeps things together and keeps folks from moving uh, or moving in the right direction. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and said, you know, the thing about a multi-service church, a lot of people say, well, we can't go to multiple services because we just don't have the workers. Well, the hard part isn't getting the workers for multi-services. The hard part is taking different people with different personalities, with different skill levels, and move them all in the right direction. And a leader is willing to be a role model, an example. Uh, What kind of example? Well, an example in spiritual matters, in their life, in their family, in their attitude, in their ministry. Again, uh, in the things they know and the things they do, they ought to be a model in serving. And so a leader is also a problem solver. And one of the things that I believe that God's taught me the more that I've been in leadership and the more that I grow in my leadership skills, I think that I'm a better problem solver. I've told you guys for years that I felt like in the churches that I worked at, I was more valuable to my pastor as a problem solver than just a teacher of kids. And and I, I, we don't belittle that. We love teaching kids, but at the same time, um, as representing our pastors, it's important that we learn how to solve problems. A leader is also an encourager, a person that uh, works on their people skills and gets the most out of others. You know, I'm a big Alabama fan, and one of the things that I love about what's happening at the University of Alabama right now is Nick Saban has those guys convinced that they are better than what they really are. And that's what we need to do. We need to convince our teachers and helpers and workers that they are more valuable to the the kingdom than their own skill level. And you do that by being an encourager. A leader is also a confronter. 
A leader takes responsibility for his mistakes and the mistakes of those under his leadership, and he's willing to stand alone if needed and even take risks. A growing leader is committed to whatever it takes. And I used to tell folks that work for me that I got some good news and some bad news. And that's one of the things I'm going to tell my new staff in Tennessee. I got some good news and some bad news, and it's the same thing. I'll never ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do. That's the good news and the bad news. Because uh, the good news is I'm not going to expect something of you that I'm not willing to do. But the bad news is I'm pretty much willing to do anything. And so uh, it's important that we do hard work when we need to. And smart work is always better, just like this scripture tells us. Skill number two, there is a God-ordained plan for your life. You know, I want to model this and I want to pass it on because I really believe with all my heart that God has a plan for every person. You know, there's a difference in a dream and a specific goal. Visionaries are people who take their dreams and turn it into a specific goal or destination. And God really does have a plan for your life. I've told you all a little bit about my testimony, how I was just minding my own business, selling drugs to my high school in Birmingham, Alabama, when uh, uh, one of the local uh, Christians came up to me in my high school and said, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And, you know, those eight words rocked my world. And I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what is your plan for my life? If you have a plan for my life, I want to know what it is. And, you know, I still want to know God's plan for my life over the last six months. I know more about what makes me tick than uh, anything. Yes, I enjoy speaking. I enjoy traveling, and I'm going to still be able to do some of those things, but I'll be honest with you. I miss being a part of a team and building a team, and that's really the most important thing that um, I feel like that's missing in my life and part of God's plan for my life. And so I want to be a part of God's plan for my life. Now, most Christians say they believe this, but a large percentage of Christians don't have a clue what God's plan for their life is. And if you don't know what God's plan for your life, the big picture, what he wants you to do, and, and that you are in the middle of that will and in that plan, then you just need to uh, get on your face before God and spend some time and find out God's plan. Now, there's a difference between a broad general goal and specific goals that you're aiming for. And I've said this for years. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. The key to seeing long-range goals come to pass is to develop short-range goals and prioritize these so that you have the steps that God orders uh, for each thing along the way uh, in the right order, okay? So it's important that uh, I must model being in God's plan for my life, and I want to pass a desire to be in God's plan for your life as well. Skill number three, know how to get to where you're going. Just because you have a vision doesn't mean that you know how to bring that vision to pass. And you can't put feet uh, to a vision without a plan. And again, just like God has a plan, God wants to direct your steps and show you what to do. And, and a lot of times people just don't get on their face before God and listen because thus saith the Lord works every time. Planning always must go before action. 
And uh, there's as much study that goes into a good plan as anything else. So prayer and study is, is the missing components when it comes to planning. You'll never get to where you're going if you don't accurately know where you are right now. I like to say it this way. If you don't know where you are at any given moment, you are lost. And it's the same thing in directing a ministry. You've got to know where you are to come up with the right plan to get you where you're going. When you call AAA, there's two questions they're going to ask you. And I've told you that for 12 years. I've been telling you they're going to ask you two questions. Where are you going? Where are you right now? And you need to know both of those. Reprogram your thinking to only think in steps. And again, this is how uh, God, this is God's plan for direction and how to give his children direction is to think in steps, the steps of uh, the righteous or order of the Lord. So we need to reprogram our thinking so we only think in steps. Be willing to experiment. You know, uh, there's times you just have to experiment. You know, for years, uh, every week at Church on the Move, Church on the Move was the largest church that I ever worked at. I'm about to go to work at a church that uh, has um, uh, right at 7,000 folks in a community of 130,000, which means uh, their reach and their influence is more than double of, of what we were doing here at Church on the Move. And I've never been in a situation like that. But, you know, just because you don't know what to do uh, doesn't mean that you're not willing to experiment and find out some things and, and uh, trust uh, uh, the leading of the Lord to be able to get you to where you need to be and come up with a plan and, and go after that plan, make sure that plan's God's plan. And, um, but you've got to be willing to experiment. Don't allow yourself to be afraid of change. You, got, you can't keep doing the same old stuff. You've got to be willing to change and update. And once you have a plan, communicate it and explain why as well as what and how. I was told about a church that's been making a lot of changes and stuff, and, and uh, some of the workers and folks have kind of showed some resistance because you can't just say this is where we're going and expect everybody to just jump on board just because you say so. One of the things over the years that I've had to do is communicate and explain why as well as what and how. And if you'll do that, uh, it'll help you to uh, know how to get where you're going and people will go with you as well. Skill number four, don't be a one-person show Commit to build a team. Again, uh, this is one of the things that I guess uh, I realized was missing in my life more than anything else. Uh, I want to be a part of a team again. And the key to long-lasting success is depth at all key positions. A true leader knows his limitations and he staffs for his weaknesses. Duplication is more important than delegation. Uh, live like putting yourself into others is important. Why? Because it is. Allow others to learn by doing. Uh, and this is where we don't understand that that uh, helping other people learn how to do things, let them watch and you show them what you want them to do. Model. Then tell them why and enlarge their skills. This is teach. Then the third part of helping others to learn by doing is evaluating. That's inspecting and making corrections so they do it the way you want it done. So, again, it means that you've got to change how you think about yourself, and you must see yourself as a coach and mentor 
and not just a minister. But if you'll do that, you can build a team. I I guess most of you that's been a member of the club knew sooner or later I'd start talking about time management. But I think it's important to get the things done we need to do in our life. You have to be a master at time management. And, uh, you know, to me, if you're going to uh, if you're serious about that, there's some great resources, some uh, different CD sets and, and things uh, on my website. And, be able, and go and check those things out at uh, www.jimwideman.com and check some of those out. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I teach is, is uh, you have to have the right tools. And, and I've learned that, uh, you know, the best tool that you can have is a calendar if you're going to be a time manager. And if you have a big life and a lot of things going on, you need more than just a basic calendar. Get you a real one. Get you one that does tricks. Get you one that's hooked to your computer that carries things over. And uh, get one that can help you manage all the different things that are going on in your life. But uh, there's just four stages of being a great time manager. That's planning. That's how most of you already work on your calendar. You write how you want to spend your time. But then there's another step called preparation where you write reminders and also break what you want to do down into steps and have reminders for things. That's called preparation. It's not enough just to to write vacation Bible school. you got to back up 10 months and uh, and you know, pick a theme, order curriculum, uh, start delegating responsibilities to others. And uh, I learned this back in college when uh, it wasn't enough to just say term paper due. I had to think what was the first step. Go to library, check out a book, read the book. Uh, and so, again, that preparation is the second stage. The third stage of time management is evaluation. That's where you quit writing how you want to spend your time and reminders uh, for you to spend time the right way and look at how you actually spend it. It's kind of like the register in your checkbook. You want to look at what was actually done. And then the fourth step is taking the time of other people and using it, and that's delegation, using the time of other people. And once you help them to save time, then they're going to give some of that time back to you and and uh, if you're, if there's one thing that I wish that every leader did, I wish they would study and grow in their abilities in time management. I want to model this, and I want to pass it on. Skill number six. Here's something else I want to model and pass on. Be committed to live and teach the word. Listen to me. Kids need the word. Adults need the Word. Your leaders that serve you, they need God's Word. And it's important uh, that we understand some things. First of all, there's a difference between teaching facts and imparting principles. It's principles that change life. Uh, And so it's important that as we teach and as we communicate to kids and we communicate to leaders that we're always giving principles. Now, there's also a difference between watering down the Word and breaking the Word into little pieces so that uh, kids of different ages can understand it, they can remember it, and they can live it. Kids need to be preached to. Romans 10, 14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And so, uh, you know, I appreciate 
uh, some of the different methods and things that are going on today. But it takes more than just story time. It takes sermon time and preaching to kids. And, and it's important that we get visual as well. Kids learn better when they see and they understand. And when I look at the ministry of Jesus, even Jesus talked about light and dark. He talked about water. He talked about good fruit and bad fruit. Uh, he talked about uh uh, put the whole plan of salvation into a drink of water. And so in the same way with teaching kids, we must be visual so that they can remember and they can do the Word. Now, don't get in a rut using the same old method. You know, we're, we're always finding something that works, and bless God, we'll just do it that same way the whole time. But use a variety of methods. And this is one of the things that I want to model in my life and I want to also pass it on. Skill number seven, desire to be innovative. Now, what does innovation mean? Uh, to introduce something as if new. And uh, I put in your notes uh, a little uh, equation that I think is real important. If we'll take creativity and we'll add different or questioning thinking and we'll put those two things together, then we can come up with innovation. And I want to encourage you, and this is one thing I want to model and I want to pass on to other children's pastors, and I hope you've learned this by listening to the club and watching and listening to me over the last 12 years. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. Do something different. Uh, notice I didn't say uh, do something new because really there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, and if it's different to you, then it's new for you. And it's important that we do some different things so we can do get some different actions. How do you do this? Well, pray on a regular basis. I mean, I am convinced that as a ministry, as leaders, we don't spend enough time in prayer. And I have found that just seeking God's voice, He is for you. He wants to help you. He wants to lead you. And it's important that we pray for direction about innovation. Uh, also, brainstorm with others. If you can find some creative folks and brainstorm with them on a regular basis, this is another thing that I miss. Uh, I love brainstorming with creative folks. And so uh, this is another way to help innovation take place. Do a variation of something that you've seen or heard others do. Resurrect some old things that you hadn't done in a long time. Update it and reintroduce it. But again, don't just do the same old thing everybody's doing. Strive to make it different. Strive to make it innovative. Strive to make it creative and make it the best that it can possibly be. Skill number eight that I want to model and pass on, and that is evaluate constantly. I think I've told you all that the missing ingredient to being a, uh, uh, growing to another level in leadership in most people's life is to evaluate on a regular basis. And one of the best ways to do this is think small. Think about one department within, and don't just think about your whole children's ministry. Think about the nursery. Think about the preschool. Think about one class and making that class the best that it can be. Use your MBWA degree, management by walking around. Get out and see what's going. And watch what other people are doing. And it's important that we understand that you're not going to see everything that's happening if you're not inspecting and evaluating on a regular basis. You have to ask yourself, is there a better way to do what you're doing? Make improvements even to things that are not broke. 
Uh, again, make everything better. How, how you spend your day, how you spend your time. Uh, what are the things that you're doing that with a little work, with a little tweaking, you can do them better. And again, well, that's one of the things that I desire for those that are members of the club. I want them to be people that evaluate constantly. Skill number nine, network with others. In other words, study children's ministry from the viewpoint of other people. You know, over the last uh, week, I've had the privilege to spend a lot of time in the car. Usually, I spend a lot of time on a plane, and uh, you have to turn off your cell phones on the plane. But I was able to do a little driving uh, over the last week to 10 days, and I just started calling folks. And uh, I guess I have talked to uh, about 17, 18 different children's pastors uh, over uh, in the last week, week and a half. And uh, I just call folks and find out what they're doing, what they're working on, how they view things, what they think are new trends and things that are going on. And, uh, you know, if you have somebody's phone number, uh, you ought to call them on a regular basis. It blows me away how many folks that I've given my cell phone to and said, give me a call, and they don't call. And um, take advantage of learning and networking uh, from other people. Everybody that will go to lunch with you, buy their lunch and and uh, look for learning lunches that you can network and uh, find out what's going uh, on at other churches and other ministries. Uh, you know, again, go visit. See for yourself what's going on. Look at the things that are happening. Go to conferences. When I go to conferences, I already make up my mind who I want to spend time with and who I want to network, and I'll set appointments to meet with those folks and pick their brain and uh, develop uh, a better friendship with those folks so that I can have an ongoing network when the conference is over with. You know, most of my closest friends that I have in ministry are people that I've met over the years in conferences, and so this is a great way. I think every children's minister ought to be a part of the leadership forum on kidology.org. Uh, I, I love being a part of Kidology. I should have been on it long, uh, long before I finally uh, jumped on there and started posting things myself. But this is a great way to learn from other people and see what's happening. You know, I've never worked in a real small church. Um, you know, the smallest church that I've ever been on staff at is about 1,000 people. And so, um, you know, it has really helped me to see children's ministry uh, through the eyes of folks who are working in smaller churches. When I back in the 70s, when I started being a children's pastor, only real large churches could afford or have a staff position for a children's pastor. So the idea of being a full-time children's pastor at a small church that that luxury just didn't happen uh, back. 30 years ago. And so uh, this has been something that's just helped me to uh, see things through different people's eyes. And, and again, that networking, I will always be, um, you know, I'll always be in debt to the folks that I'm getting to learn with there on Kidology. Uh, magazines. I had an uh, email not too long ago. Somebody said, there's a new magazine. Uh, which one should uh, for children's ministry, which one should I subscribe to? And I'm tell you what I'm going to do. I'm subscribed to both of them because uh, I think they're both important. I think it's important to look at everything through different perspectives and different ways. Uh, there's some regular web pages that I check on a regular basis to see what's going on in children's ministry at certain churches across the country. And then again, if you have people's email address, check in, ask a question. If you're going to ask a question, ask one question. Don't ask 
uh, tons of questions or uh, you're not going to get an answer near as quick. But again, network with others. And this is something I want to model and I want to pass on to other people. Skill number 10, be culturally relevant. Uh, You know, one thing I want you to understand, Jesus came into our world. And because Jesus set the example of coming into our world, he expects us to go into the world of kids. And, you know, in the 32 years that I've been ministering to children, it's amazing how that world has changed. Man, I I think about, uh, you know, all the different uh, toys and all the different things that how, uh, you know, technology has changed Uh, Being a child, being a kid, I mean, kids today know more about video cameras and and computers and things than, um, you know, a lot of adults my age. And it's important that uh, we know something about their world. One of the things I want to model and I want to pass on is uh, I think children's ministers should study today's kid culture. Uh, What what kind of music are kids listening to? Uh, When was the last time that that you were able to uh, check out and see what the uh, uh, Billboard magazine and see what the top 10 selling children's albums and DVDs were. And uh, again, have you listened to them and found out does your does the music that you have at church match what kids are listening to? Uh, if not, then you're not going to relate to them. Uh, what TV shows and movies are hot, books and games and restaurants and things that kids like. It's important that we... Uh, be relevant and be able to teach to kids to relate to their world. Be real, be realistic, and be relatable. And if you'll do that, your impact on kids today will be far greater. Skill number 11 that I want to model and pass on, demonstrate a true love for people. You know, I did a whole lesson about that this year, and it's important that I, I believe that You develop a love for people. It's one of the secrets of my success as a leader, and it's just to rear back and love people. Uh, You know, the greatest sermon that you'll ever preach is your own family. And how you love your family and how you treat your family and the life of your family is one of the greatest sermons that you'll ever preach. And so it's important that first and foremost, you demonstrate a love for your family to others. Uh, I want to uh, demonstrate a love for my pastor and his family. Uh, you know, one of the things that I knew that God was calling me to this new church and uh, was I just had uh, God gave me a love to uh, for my pastor, and I just wanted to help him. And uh, I'm excited about getting plugged in and helping this pastor and, and uh, helping his family, and, and uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, I believe... It's important that we have a God-given love for the people that you minister to. Man, I miss people. I miss the people that uh, serve me and help me. And and um, and I tell you what, uh, my original 12-year-olds are turning 30 this year, and I miss doing life with a group of kids. And so I'm looking forward to loving the people that I work with again. And it's important that all of us realize that we need to let the love of Jesus rub off on everybody we come in contact with. And I believe that it's important that if you will love your city, God will give you some of the people in your city to be in your church that you can love all the time because love moves you to action. Let me read you some scriptures that I love. Uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world... 
that's everybody, that he gave. Again, love moves you to action. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. We talk about good deeds all the time, but it's important that we spur each other on to love. 1 Corinthians 13.1, If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just a noisemaker if I'm not practicing what I'm preaching. 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. And lastly, 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. That's pretty plain that love is important. When Yancey started uh, doing concerts, and uh, one of the, the things that I set her down and said, honey, the best advice that I could give you is ask the Lord to give you a love for the people that you sing for. Uh, get there early, pray for them, get to know them, focus on some of those kids, start praying for them, and ask the Lord to give you a love uh, for those people that night and uh, let that love, that genuine love that He gives us uh, flow through you to other people. And she'll tell you that that's made a big difference in her ministry and her life. It's made a big difference in my life, and that's one of the things I want to model and pass on to other people. And last but not least, skill number 12 that I want to model and pass on is never arrive, always be learning. I got a really sweet email this past week about a lady that has watched my ministry over the last 20 years or so. And uh, she said, one of the things that I really appreciate about you is you've never arrived. And I hadn't. I've still put my pants on one leg at a time. When I wake up in the morning, my breast stinks like everybody else's. But it's important that we always learn. And you can learn something every day if you want to. It's just making sure that you want to. And so uh, one of the, the first ways that I think can help you to be a learner is to read. It blows me away how many leaders don't read and uh get schools of thoughts from other people. And there's so many books that I could have listed here, but I put five books that I believe that have influenced me the most in my ministry that I wish that every children's minister would read. Uh, the first one is uh, a book by one of my heroes, Peter F. Drucker, The Effective Executive. That's probably my favorite book of all books. Uh, if I could only have one book other than the Bible, I think it would be The Effective Executive. Uh, to help you learn how to be a leader. Another great book that changed my life because it made me an author uh, is Children's Ministry Leadership, The You Can Do It Guide. And uh, it's still my favorite book of all the books that I did. And, and uh, I still find myself quoting from it. I'm probably looking in 2008 to start teaching uh, from that book uh, in our club lessons and making sure that uh, we kind of uh, take 2008 and go through uh, that book as a, a club together that we understand all the principles that are there, but uh, it's it's important. Another book that changed my life was Sam Walton's Made in America. Uh, just some practical, wonderful truths about serving other people. Uh, John Maxwell's Developing the Leader Within You, and uh, my favorite networking book that uh, that is just a great book uh, by. 
uh, called Never Eat Alone. And um, again, these are five books that have really influenced me, and I highly recommend them to you. Uh, another thing, if you're going to be learning, uh, it's important that you're always researching. Uh, no trends and the latest thoughts. Research what's going on in children's ministry. What are other people doing? What's working for them? What's not working for them? Uh, again, Sometimes knowing what not to do can be just as important as knowing what to do, uh, but always be researching and uh, finding out what other people are doing. Listen to CDs. Be quick to email. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've found is people are quick to email, but they're slow to listen. I'll have people all the time that will email me a bunch of questions. And I have all kind of teaching on those same subjects, and they think that I can write something in three or four sentences that are gonna that they're gonna get uh, something out of uh, more than a whole hour, an hour and a half of teaching on that subject, and it just blows me away. Uh, I think it's important that we listen to some things, and then uh, we email questions from that listening and be able to uh, learn a lot more through listening uh, to what other people are teaching. Uh, go to conferences. Man, one of the best ways I know to uh, learn is just to go to conferences. And, and I, I love conferences. And uh, on my webpage, there's a whole list of some of the conferences that I'll be at in 2008. And uh, not only do I hope you come and take some of my workshops, but I hope you hang out with me. But again, Learn from people that will let you learn from them. Ask questions. It blows me away how I'll get to spend time with people and they won't ask a single question. And, uh, you know, every time I'm around a leader that, that I look up to, I have some questions that I want to learn from them and I'll take advantage of those that time together and uh, ask some questions and prepare those ahead of time. I get excited when people get their list of questions out and start reading from that list of questions. And then again, uh, one thing that I want to model and pass on to others, don't ever think you know it all because you don't. Uh, there's something that everyone knows that, can learn, that you can learn from. And so these are 12 things that I believe can help you. There are 12 things that I want to model. There are 12 things that I've tried to teach and, and uh, show you about here on the club over these last 12 years. And there are also 12 things that I want to pass on to you. Can Thanks for listening to the Club Leadership Podcast with Jim Weidman. To continue the conversation online, go to KidmanCoach.com and click on the club group. For more information about Jim, his blog, books, and resources, as well as his infused coaching program, go to jimweidman.com. At Jim Weidman Ministries, we're committed to building strong leaders.